In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... The easiest intro we have ever had, brought to you this week by Jack Bauer and all of CTU. Welcome into episode 24 of the Gospel Friends. I am Rev Verbage. I am Chase, a.k.a. Captain Crunchy. And I am the one and only Nuclear Nick. Who is, uh, sounds quite excited to be here tonight. He's playing injured tonight, but he's on the field. I was going with, no, I was going with the, he was that, uh, it was the low key, it was the passion, it was the very serious. Low key know. and serious, I'm not sure about passionate. He'll get there in the game. There was passion? Goad him a little bit and he'll be, he'll be in. He'll be fine. Prod him with a stick like there in the go. Avengers. I'll use the Christian flag we still have in the uh, Hall of Dogma that we haven't sold yet. I'll go T-Rex on you. <laughs> T-Rex and everything. <laughs> Well, this week, um, as the show is recorded, it is midnight here in... Not in Montgomery, but close. No, midnight outside of Birmingham. And it's so just Hank's the, singing in Montgomery, who's singing outside of Birmingham? Bernard. Bernard. Or, uh, what's, uh, what's the name? Taylor Hicks. Taylor oh, yeah. Hicks. Taylor Hicks. He's an American one. idol fame. Yep. And well, or Ruben. Whatever happened to him afterwards. I, who knows? Good old Taylor Hicks. Yeah. By the way, I have never seen a single episode of 24. I was going to say, Dave, I, I didn't think you yeah, watched 24. That, that did throw me off. I actually didn't expect you to do that for the show intro for that very reason. Uh, let me tell you, wor- worth seeing. Well, Jack Bauer never, is a great American hero. I have always, uh, you know, the, I think I've told the story to you guys before, but um, my dad, who uh, passed away back in 2004, I don't remember when the show came out, but I remember him leaving me a message that he had heard this new show coming out with Kiefer Sutherland. Ke- yeah, Kiefer. Is that how you say it? Kiefer? Kiefer, yeah. Kiefer Sutherland. And, um, and so it came on, but like I think they were showing a, uh, a just a merit. It was like it was like 24 hours straight they were mm-hmm. showing. Yep. So yep. I guess, I don't know if it was a rerun, like a marathon or whatever. Yeah. But anyway, my dad stayed up for a full 24 hours yeah. oh and my. watched the entire thing from beginning to end. Well, that's the thing about... The, and he left me a message about how awesome it was. And he said he kept... He would be like, okay, I'm going to watch one more. I'm going to bed. Okay, I'm going to watch... Okay, I'm going to watch one they more. They all end in such a crushing cliffhanger that it is just all of your energy to not watch the next one, like if you're streaming it on Netflix or something. But there was a lot of shows like that at that time because Lost was out in a similar time frame to them, weren't they? It was, yeah. yeah. I, it's, for me, 24 is the most cliffhanger-ish really? show I've ever watched. Cliffhanger-ish. We've yes. tried to watch season one. Proper and I English. Just, I don't know. You Chris get Stuttard it? would appreciate that. By the way, I uh, planned to watch Lost when it first came out because I wanted to, to see it yeah. and look great, and I was foiled by my VCR. I'd set the timer on my VCR. What was this, 1943? <laughs> well, it, Did the whatever year it came out. Up? <laughs> but I went to set my timer on the VCR. The, we were going to church because it came on on Wednesday nights, and the timer didn't go off, and I never watched a single episode of Lost. Oh, my. Had that timer went off. off. You also have Netflix. I would have been a Lostite. Look, you've got to watch 24. Yeah. You've just got to watch 24. Well, I will, I will find some extra time. 
in it's, my schedule. It's good stuff. I mean, if you're going to watch TV, and I understand Christians who might not, but if you're going to watch TV, I mean, that's one of those that you should watch. Well, how about you guys finish up with this, this episode of Entertainment Weekly, and I'll just head on to the house and all right. So okay, let's do it. Well, Nick, tell everybody how to get in touch with us. Yeah, if anybody wants to tell See us what other David, what other shows he needs to watch, um, hit us up on Twitter at My Gospel Friends on Twitter. Oh my goodness. You that was hit, a terrible you throw. You said hit us up. You missed him by a meter. I was trying to make you a I meter try- and a half away from him. <laughs> I was trying to make it seem to him like it was going right over his head. Oh, I see. Because I said I was going. My my reactions are already slowed by all the cough and cold medicine that is in my system. It is past midnight, and you're going to make sudden movements. Really? Well, right. based on Rev's accuracy, I think you're safe <laughs> there, safe. Nuke. Fair enough. Um, my gospel friends on Twitter. Uh, we've got the Facebook group, facebook.com/slash/group/slash/hallofdogma. Uh, we've also got the Facebook page, but that's more announcements where the Hall of Dogma is where the discussions kind of happen. How's those announcements coming on that Facebook page? Chase is pretty consistent with them. Do you put announcements out on the Facebook page? Sometimes. No, okay. I, I didn't Might this do past week. Instead, I thought. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't this past week. Working on uh, Not the, that I'm uh, against us having multiple pages. The Libsyn no, inline never. streamer uh, that we might, I'm excited uh, about we might that have this do. week. So uh, I've already signed up for it, just haven't put it out there yet. Okay. Um, be on the lookout. If you want to leave voice correspondence, you can do that. 205-575-9735 for voicemail. Um, or if you're international, um, or you know the long distance is going to be an issue, uh, speakpipe.com slash the gospel friends is also a good way to do that. There you go. Hey, I, I do want to ask you. First of all, I want to say thank you to all the people recently that have uh, reviewed the show and had a lot of good things to say. Boy Crazy Mom 6, TV Reds uh, are, are two of them. Um, yeah, that's uh, also Brent okay. F nineteen sixty eight, C Neil nineteen ninety two, J back seventy six. You guys have left some uh, great um, feedback there on on our iTunes page. As I've said before, that did really you say, helps. Did you say Pyro? I, I did not say that one. Okay, uh, somehow that one got deleted <laughs> for uh, maybe slightly inappropriate language. I don't know. <laughs> he left. Poop. It said poop. And you t- can't and say two that st- word and two st- on on television or on the podcast. I don't know. Please Maybe don't you can't say that word. Out. No, that was you can't do this on television. That was the show I was referencing. Oh yeah, where you get slimed from the top. Yeah, yep. Barthy Burgers. <laughs> that was a good show. Canadian show, by the way. A, really? Yeah, didn't know that. I think so. Or at least a lot of them were from Canada, okay. including S- Alanis Morissette. It was on there. Speaking of listeners. Um, Oh, anyway, go go review the show. That really helps us a lot, and we'll love you and give you a shout-out. It helps. Yes. Go ahead, Dave. Please. But but make it five stars, or Chase will get angry at you. I will turn into the Hulk. You need, oh, to, wait, fix your mic. You need to fix your mic back. I keep hitting it. Just the very mention of a bad review kind of got me all gesticulating <laughs> so, wildly. <laughs> um, you guys love that word, right? So uh, <laughs> one day I'm going to look it up and see what it means. Um but uh, the, the uh, oh look a computer with Google. <laughs> the um, listeners, listeners, we were talking about listeners <laughs> yes, we before were. the uh, show started, and you explained that we currently have as many listeners. <laughs> you guys, all right? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, you mentioned that we currently have as uh, both Nick and I apparently brought our. Um, Fifth grade inner inner twelve year old. I understand <laughs> this tonight. What the, else uh, would people expect from this show? The uh, no, we have as many listeners. In the, uh, what's the Calvinist favorite day? 
election. Day. That was a great picture, by the way. Who posted that? Um, Tony. Tony. Good job, Tony. We have the as many director. listeners in China. More listeners in China. Than we do in Mississippi. That's right. Mississippi hates the Gospel Friends for whatever reason. I don't understand why they do. I don't I don't know. Maybe it's the old Alabama-Mississippi rival. But I was about to say, as, as much as we've talked about football and the way it's gone this season. Yeah, I've said it before. Why. We have more listeners in the Philippines than we do in Mississippi. I wonder how we could get their attention. How we could, could how attack could we, their state. How could we get more Mississippi listeners? Mock them? Would that help, you think? Let's Down their football teams? Not that. I mean, that we probably should do something encouraging. We need to buy a couple of kayaks. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we'll, we'll go over there what? and head down the rivers to all their different villages <laughs> along the banks. Villages? Oh, that my. sounds so derogatory. Oh, and, my. And we'll... Yeah, it's getting better. We'll, we'll get out. Push their teepees over. We'll talk, we'll talk to them about the internets and explain to them what it is. Hand out some some podcast devices and That's ask great. them to download some. Ask them how you catch your fish. Look, I like Mississippi. Yeah, I've man. been to Jackson and various other places in Mississippi. I find Jackson to be a delightful big city. Less traffic than Birmingham, but a roughly the same population. They have a good Jacks there. I ate at a Jackson Jackson one time. That's good. Well, when Mississippians come drag you out of bed late <laughs> late tomorrow night, they're I'm, not. I'm not going to shed too many what, tears for you. You just said we have no. We have more listeners in China than we do Mississippi. Well, that is true. I guess word will take a while to get around to them. All right, I will stop. Well, enough foolishness. I will stop gonna... making fun of Mississippi when they start listening to the show, which Th- may be help. counterproductive. Maybe so. So, guys, what are we going to talk about today other than uh, the, the junk we've already thrown out there? Yeah. We're, we have a uh, controversial-esque tweet question from uh, a listener to deal with tonight. So I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. You just have to keep listening. But we're totally going to get in trouble by it. But as, it is controversial. More controversial than what we've already already talked about. What else are we going to talk about? The next one's yours. The next one's mine. Uh, <laughs> it says BDLD, which I think means big deal or little deal. We're going to play that game that dun, we dun, haven't dun. played in a while. Uh, I'll, I'll preview one of the stories. Um, how about we're going to talk about a confrontation between a subway uh, preacher and a lesbian actress that got a little ugly. Did you see the dude that robbed the Subway restaurant? Here I was about in, to say, you said it started with Subway. Now yeah. I'm hungry. Thank you. Did you see the, the dude that robbed the Subway in Birmingham last week? I did not. He walked in, demanded money out of the cash register, and left. Maybe you clarify Subway restaurant. It was, that's what I said, Subway restaurant. We don't I have a Subway. Restaurant. Yeah. And um, when the police called him and arrested him, they asked him why he did it, and he said that he had tried the Jared diet and it hadn't worked, and he wanted his money back. <laughs> that's that's just great. So good times. That's good. To clarify the story we're going to be talking about happens in the metal tubey thing that goes fast <laughs> underground, not the sandwichy type thing that you rob when you don't lose weight. <laughs> the metal tubey thing, Nicholas. I didn't want it to be over your head. It's good. <laughs> like the beanbag you tried yes. to throw at me. Um, Wow, this is delightful. And so we're also going to do our Halls Monitor segment again this week. No, we're not. We said we was going to do it last week. We never got to it. Well, yeah, because it was chances are we're, segment, so chances we are, Chances are we're lying to you. If yeah, we, if that's we, right. If it's we last, it, and it's Nick's. Yeah. If it's we make dead. it to that segment. Um, we, <laughs> Look, it's on the list <laughs> to do. Um, we're going to talk about Tony's article, uh, Being a Christian Doesn't Always Look Like You Think It Should. Um, a lot of us took the author of the uh, article to task a little bit for 
maybe not making as strong a point as we would have liked. But I think it's, there's a discussion there that you can logically have from it that'll be fun. That sounds good. You know what segment we don't skip? Mine. I've never noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get- Pride goeth before a fall. Hey. That's just the name of your segment, isn't it? No, the name of the segment is <laughs> What Were You Thinking? It's the David oh, Hour. Oh, my bad. Global edition. And and we have uh, we have kind of a theme tonight. Of, oh, boy. Yeah, death. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, death is uh, death sales, right? I sh- everybody wants to listen to a podcast that talks about death after midnight when it's recorded. Awesome. Who's texting you at 1215 in the morning? Daily Keller. At Daily Keller. Okay. Well, Tim, it's one fifty in the morning for Tim. He needs go to, to go bed, to sleep. Tim. All right. Gracious. James, That's why he's so grumpy in the morning. James McSorley oh. and all of our um, Irish listeners. In their bagpipes and kilts. Should listen up. We'll get to that oh, later. You should, uh, you should listen up to this one because your uh, country and uh, your people have been mocked. We, we do actually have a lot of listeners in the UK, so you got to play it cool there. All right, so this story is from the uh, Huffington Post. An Irish woman. Bastion of conservatism. An Irish woman received an outrageous rejection letter from a school in South Korea where she had applied to teach. Katie Mulron from County Kerry. Ah. Ireland? Yes. Uh, earns her living teaching English around the world. They speak English in Ireland? Oh, gosh. They do, for the most part. It's like an Irish-English? Yes. Okay. Um, Although uh, she says she's been passed up for jobs because certain schools prefer a North American accent, she said a recent rejection letter really crossed the line (laughs) after applying to the job in Seoul. (laughs) The 26-year-old was shocked to get a rejection email that uh, turned her down. Here's the letter. Hello, Katie. I'm sorry to inform you that uh, my client does not hire Irish people due to the alcoholism nature of your kind. Oh, snap. That's terrible. In the future. So she was rejected because she is Irish, and the people of South Korea said, um, well, y'all might drink a lot. Has, you know, racism, stereotyping, that sort of thing, has that even made it around to South Korea? I mean, because... Apparently, they are not um, culturally sensitive. Well, we don't want to paint with a broad brush, so these per- this particular school is not culturally sensitive because yeah, we actually true. do have maybe the rest of South Korea in South Korea is. Uh, so, I, I guess now you know I am, am of Irish descent, and so I can talk about this. Um, <laughs> I keep telling you you're Scottish. Look, I don't. It's fine for you to tell me that, but I am Irish, and my ancestors. You're not. Were, I am. You're not. Anyway, okay. it is. It is. Uh, oh, so, Mom, it, Dad, please don't fight. So, it, I guess that's kind of the. Uh, I guess that's kind of the stereotype of us Irishmen is that uh, we know how to drink. I I, ge- I guess so. Uh, what are we supposed to do at this point after you share a story like that? Are we supposed to? Y'all comment. Oh, comment. Okay, let's see. Um, say something, Chase. I'm shocked David, at the outrageous. <laughs> we're here for you. Race and we want stereo. It's really more stereotyping than racism found in South Korea. And I, for one, call on the South Korean overlords to overturn this sort of <laughs> shameful behavior. I actually think they have duly elected officials in South Korea. No kidding. No, it's North Korea that has the overlords. Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't that dude disappear for like forever, though? He did. He was having an ankle problem. He's better now. 
I would like to hear yeah, from an some ankle of our. Would keep me from being out. Never mind. I would like to hear from some of our Irish listeners of whether or not this offends you. Not us, but the South Koreans. <laughs> okay, good, because we disagree with the South Koreans in this particular issue. We probably here in South, um, the South portion of the United States and Alabama could probably also carry a reputation of, you know, the South Koreans might not want to hire us. Because, you know, we're branded well, everybody has around the world as racist. Draw like you do. Except it wouldn't be because of our bent toward Irish whiskey. It would be toward, like, you know, convenience store natural light or something like that. <laughs> Indeed. Oh. Six pack. It costs like a dollar nineteen. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? It's cheap beer from the convenience store that people around here are known This to, is not 1971. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure. I don't buy a lot of beer, but I'm pretty sure it's more expensive than that. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty, light, pretty cheap. You're going to have a lot of invaders from other states coming into Alabama looking for a $1.19 beer. Well, let's move from trying to start a war between Ireland and South Korea to the... Uh, that would be entertaining. ...to um, uh, Britain from the BBC. You actually sent me... This story, Chase. <laughs> to Britain? <laughs> yeah, to the UK. You, okay, that's better. How about that? That sounds good. What? what it is Britain, isn't it? Great Britain? Well, it's Great Britain. Okay. Well, it's I not just... just good Britain or no Britain. It's Great Britain. Oh, my. Uh, look, I've never been there. I don't know if it's great or not. But anyway, the UK. So oh. a story from the BBC oh, that Chase sent me. It's, this is an encouraging this story, is a, by the uh, way. So I, this calls into question. We just, this calls into question the investigative police <laughs> skills of um, Scotland Yard, of of the British government and police force, and it does indeed all of that. This is the sketchiest so thing I've it, ever. Who read. are some of our um, British listeners? Uh, well, Chris, Chris are the uh, Scarlet Smoggy. Yes, the Scarlet Smoggy. Okay, we have others. We have others. Um, so Samuel Lavelle, the doctor. The doctor. The doctor might could figure this one out. Maybe. So um, David Falal, age 50. Rest in peace. <laughs> okay. Spoiler alert. We, no, we, don't, we don't need to laugh. Uh, here is um, – <laughs> so here's the story. You're laughing. I'm trying not we to. We need to be sensitive. Yes. Uh, his uh, – David Falal was found uh, dead in his um, Hampshire – flat um that means apartment yes you know you're from the south of his uh the nick States. his head had been oh, severed no. by a chainsaw oh no and police say that uh his death is not suspicious um as far as they know no one else was involved and um apparently they they think maybe he killed himself Was this a juggling accident going wrong? Like, <laughs> did we know? Are you, you going to tell the rest of the story? No, because it's, tell, even, it's even more it, suspicious. It, 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 okay, up. this particular gentleman was in a block of 70 flats that were in, in Hampshire. He was the last one left. The owner of the flats had been working to get him moved out for quite some time. And supposedly... And he refused to move. He refused to move. And supposedly this ended by him, by himself, committing suicide with a chainsaw by lopping his head off. Now, does that sound suspicious to anybody else? But the no. police... the police we have international listeners. It the, doesn't sound odd at all. The police are quoted yeah, as saying, weird. as far as we know, no one else was involved. Um, and the death... 
um, which came from complete transection of the neck, does not appear to be suspicious. Let me, let me, this is terrible, but let me read no, you a couple of it. direct quotes from okay. this article, which is not on a autopsy. humor website. No, this is this on is, BBC. UK. Okay, so this is what the coroner said. As far as we know, nobody else was involved. There's nothing suspicious about the death. All right, that's quote number one. This is a quote from the constabulary there, which is the cops. They said, <laughs> this is just crazy. We were called to the address on Bodmin Road on 5th of July at approximately 4.20 p.m. to a non-suspicious death. They seem to be going out of their way to you. say that this is not suspicious. Wow. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to – maybe they're trying to throw the killer off the trail maybe so. by going overboard by saying this isn't suspicious. And I don't know how things work in Britain because I've never actually been there. seems like a great place. Um, I know that you know our people didn't like it, so they came over here and started a whole new thing. Oh, well, oh no. way to antagonize the Brits, but, David. But – and I don't know if this had something to do with it. But um, in, 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 in America, if you are found decapitated by a chainsaw, we immediately put that one under suspicious. Yeah, that's, that's an instant suspicious death like it, in it, America. It, yeah, it, it, it falls. Like, I, you know, that's just suspicious right off the bat. Yep. We're going we're gonna to take a look at this one. Especially where there's – Do a little investigation, see what we can find. A little something we like to call a motive. <laughs> Which yeah. there might be one here. So, like, here, if, like, Target or Walmarts was wanting to build... Really? Well, I just chase like that. So, they, if they're wanting nice. to build a, a development and somebody wouldn't move, and then that person found up, you know, ended up dead with his head chopped off from a chainsaw, Yeah, we would look into that one. Yeah. To be fair, I, we're having a bit of fun with a story that really is which a tragedy. Is not, which is not, yeah. Uh, may, that may be inappropriate of us. And, and I do believe the police have investigated and found that there was reason to believe that this was uh, not a crime. But, boy, it, just on the surface, it sure sounds suspicious. I bet your next story is happier than this one. Yeah, right? let's, let's move on to something that um, – th- this one is uh, – let's move on to something that doesn't have anything to do with death of – person anyway so i don't know if you guys have heard about this but there is a new reality show coming out on discovery channel called eaten alive you heard about this well it it sounds terrible yes so uh there's a gentleman by the name of paul rosalie um who for this uh particular show called eaten alive which will be aired on which will air on december the 7th um author and filmmaker Paul Rosalie dons a custom-built snake-proof outfit, which he then smears in pig blood and allows himself to be eaten alive by an anaconda for the show. There's nothing you just said that's not outrageous. And uh, he says the snake is not harmed at all in the... Filming of the show. How did they get him out of the anaconda? I don't know. But I tell you who's mad. I hope not the traditional way. Do you, you well, guys – Do you know who's mad at, at, at everybody, at, you know, Discovery and Paul in this? You know, I guess uh, one particular group. The League of Concerned Snakes, <laughs> which <laughs> don't like their members being abused this it's way. It's very close to the League of Concerned Snakes. Okay. It's PETA. 
PETA. I've yeah. heard of them. The uh, the bread manufacturers. No, the uh, the group for the <laughs> Sorry, protection. That the, what is it? Pro- people ethical, for the ethical, ethical treatment of animals. Yes, yes. Uh, people eating yeah. tasty animals. Yeah. No. Ooh. Uh, they said that uh, although the premise of the show sounds far-fetched, if the s- description is accurate, then the snake would be tormented. And um, and, and here's their quote. Um, Anacondas go days without eating and expend the energy needed to do so selectively, making the snake use up energy by swallowing this fool and possibly regurgitating him would have left the poor animal exhausted and deprived of energy. Well, well, let me tell you, smearing yourself with pig's blood, putting yourself in a suit, that might be a slightly foolish thing to do. Okay, I actually kind of agree with PETA here, uh, not necessarily worried about the anaconda which by the way some of these snakes get up to over 25 feet long you picture seeing a 25 foot snake that could swallow you but this this guy there's a picture of mr rosalie with uh, okay so this guy puts himself in a custom-built snake outfit smears pig blood on himself and allows himself to be eaten alive by this snake Fantastic, And I'm not really sure what the purpose is, except to get viewers. And I can tell you that I will tune in on December the 7th and, and watch That's this That's must-see TV. That is must-see must, must see TV. Do you will think you, we could get him on the show? Will you guys watch? Uh, I will probably not watch live, but uh, I'll YouTube it or uh, DVR it. We might could get him on the show. I would let Bernard be swallowed alive by an anaconda. Well, Bernard's wow. been swallowed by an anaconda three times already. <laughs> Since we started talking about the show tonight. Well, I don't know about that, but in his lifetime, he was sharing that with me earlier. So uh, two two deaths and a live swallow snake snake swallowing a person. Well, is it that cheery? So very uplifting tonight Well, in, I- in this particular segment. I know what time it is. It's time to play the game. I don't want to actually, um, you know, be critical or anything, Nicholas, but um, that didn't appear to be Motorhead. I think so. that was the right music. See what? Um, yeah. Well, hey, no big deal. Let's uh, let's let's forge ahead. Well, guys, tonight I, was I get to. By aliens. Well, it happens. I get to host the game. I call it Anaconda. The Anaconda. I don't know. <laughs> Anaconda aliens. That's scary. If there are such thing, I call it the basic Bible trivia game, in which I'm going to give you guys a series of questions to determine which of your stories gets to go first on the show. These are basic Bible trivia, not too hard, not too difficult, but uh, I hope given the late hour, which we are already at 12.30 a.m., that you are awake enough to answer these, uh, I would say, I don't know, sixth grade level questions, sixth fifth grade, grade. Okay, now I just maybe seventh grade on a... Is this a smart idea? Because last week, um, you know, the general was here and had some Jeopardy questions. We did. We played a little, uh, little, little Jeopardy Bible trivia, and we got hold on. Well, you guys people, weren't feeling good last some week. Some people so. kind of railed on us a little bit for our Bible knowledge. But a man, I think Emmanuel intentionally, like you know, he used some of his slick language to try to to throw us off. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. So you think the general was? There's a little deception involved, yeah. perhaps. I, I mean, I I felt like some or of the, not even necessarily some of the guys some, in the, but also some. Uh, 
misdirection. Misdirection as well. Well, here's what we're going to do tonight is, and this might not be as uh, as funny as some of the other games we've played before. We're just going to play it straight tonight, kind of straight down the middle. No uh, funny things or funny right. business or tricks. So it'll anything fit with suspicious. The, uh, it'll fit with the. Um the rest of the show up yeah, to this point. Yeah, I mean, just kind of playing it huh. normal, Pretty much playing not it straight. Funny yeah. and just talking about J- yes, just like that. Okay, exactly. So, I think the question number one goes to you, David. Is that I Tony Vance right actually said from episode twenty three that one of the things that he learns is that uh, being a teaching pastor in the Hall of Dogman does not require knowledge of the Bible. Yeah, I saw. I saw that. Well, I mean, you know, thanks, director. Anybody, anybody, former. David Director. can have a, you know what, Babe Ruth. Yeah, Babe Ruth struck out from time to time. From time to time, even the great ones can have a bad night. I'm going to try to redeem myself tonight. Well, hey, maybe you can. And, and like I said, fifth grade, sixth grade level. So these are probably going to be change ups that you can knock out of the park. All right. If if we demoted the director, what what what's the what would he go down to? The assistant director, personal yeah. assistant, co-director. Co-director, maybe? All right, Tony. Admin assistant. He'd be an admin assistant. There you, you go. You have to be careful, Tony, if we, you know. You're going to be the receptionist before too long. David is a vengeful man. <laughs> it's just kind of what we're saying here. But uh, I think we've dilly-dallied around enough, guys. Right, let's go. We need to get let's into go. the game. Here's Here question number one. Who's it going to? More dally To you, David. Where did Lot try to escape to before Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed? Now, this is an Old Testament question. Is it A, Panish, B, Haran, C, Zoar, D, Bethlehem, or E, Middlesbrough? It was not Bethlehem. I'm not going to confirm or deny that because that's not a guess. You're not going to trick me. This is the playing it straight trivia game. Trying to escape before Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. I'm going to go with Zoar. Zoar is correct. Well, we started with an easy one. I figured you would knock that out of the park. This one goes to you, Nick. that, Jenkins. Slightly slightly harder, but uh, most fifth-grade Sunday schoolers here in Alabama would just get this one very easily. Number two, question number two. Translate mene mene, tekel you parson, and tell us what language it's in, Mr. Jenkins. First of all, gesundheit. Thank you. Uh, Second of all, mina mina, shekel and half mina, or I think just two parts. Um, what language? Aramaic. Aramaic. You're right. I assume you guys know where that is in I'm the sorry, Bible. I'm sorry, what did you say, David? That's right. Show nothing off. there. Okay. All right. So that's one to one. We're going to go over to question number three. Speaking of the game we played last week, Emmanuel brought up something called the Filioque controversy. And here's filioque. my question to you. Yeah, the Filioque, Filioque, whichever way you want to say it. Okay. Uh, nice. That's what it sounded like. It sure said. does. Uh, I filioque. Do you filioque? That's good. This now is going to become a thing. This is a good joke. Which early church father said that the Holy Spirit, quote, proceeds from the Father and the Son without ever being separated from Ambrose either? of Millen. That's right. Wow. That's very good. I was going to give you some choices there. Um, but uh, you, you, you got it right. It, the correct answer is Ambrose. All right, so over to you, Nick. How number do you know four. He's southern, I believe it's Milan, isn't it? Well, I mean, if you were in Italy, you would say Milan, but in the southern United yeah. States, Milan we say Milan. Is Milan is M U L A N. By the way, do wow. you know the Do you know how the French say Detroit? They say Detroit. True story. So you know, pronunciation varies around regions, and we're cool with that, right? 
So I think that gives you a two to one lead Around, over yeah. Nick. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. We're going to go to Nick. This is question number four in the Playing It Straight trivia game. Nick, what man rejected John's authority, earning John's rebuke that he likes to be first? Is it A, Demeter, B, Sophocles, uh, C, Diotrephes, D, Charles Xavier, or E, Alexander the Metalworker? See, just out of sheer geekdom, <laughs> I want to go with Xavier. Um, I, but I'm mostly certain it's Diotrephes. That is correct. What book was that in, by the way? Do you know off the top oh, of your head? Um, uh, third John you got it good job man alright number five go that's that's tied it up two to two how you like them apples I, I like those apples somebody has been um, paying attention to their third grade Sunday school class because that's that's where that wow, kind of question wow. comes that from was, that was a little weak I'll give you that alright number five I, mean, I like how I'm getting the hard ones well. and he's getting stuff about many many tickles and <laughs> well you are the teaching pastor so you need a little bit uh, stronger of a pitch. Number five, who presided over Paul's trial in Jerusalem? Is it uh, no, uh, is it A, Ananias of Jerusalem, B, Festus of Tarsus, C, Ananias, son of Netabias, for, uh, D, Paul Levesque of Tripoli, or E, Simon called Niger? Well, I happen to know that Paul Levesque of Tripoli... <laughs> Is, is that, that your final answer? That's very well done, because Paul Levesque is Triple H. You're not supposed to say stuff like that. That's an in-joke. <laughs> but that was funny. Okay, well, I, I'm glad you really enjoyed it. Oh, my and Festus is the guy that started the, uh, the Festivus. <laughs> there, that's right, the founder so, of Festivus. I'm pretty sure the a- actual answer is uh, Ananias. It is. Ananias, son of which one? Uh, Nebadias. There you go. Good job. Okay, so... That gets us up to question number six. Uh, David with a one-point lead. Nick, you can tie it up here. No. This is a fill-in-the-blank. Not. This is a little bit too could easy we to have him, multiple choice. Could we give him something a this little a bit harder? I've made it slightly harder. Thank I'm not going to give him multiple choice here. He's going to have to pull this one out of the air. Okay. Uh, what, two counsels, okay. All right. what two councils were primarily concerned with the nature of Christ or the hypostatic union? Oh, Chalcedon and Ephesus. Well, you got it. Yes. Uh, wait, which which council of Ephesus? The first one. Okay. Yes, first council of Ephesus and the council of Chalcedon. I, I figured with me that was sorry. for the tie. I think that puts us at three to three. Well, I'm sorry. Wait, what was the score again? Three to three. It's a it's a close oh, game. What did I not have? David, I can't remember. Did I have any choices? A third grade Sunday school education. <laughs> well, right. That was more of a fifth. Or, that, might, that might have even been a sixth grade question. Okay, to you, David. In 1986, <laughs> a clay tablet was unearthed that identified an obscure biblical figure, and in doing so, added to the reliability of the Bible as a historical document because it correctly identified this figure in his role. The Bible said he had. Who was the figure identified? Was it uh, A. Elishima, B. Epaphroditus, C. Erastus of Corinth, D. Euodia of Galatia, or uh, E. Epanatus of the Syrian. Um, what was that first one again? Elishima? Yeah, that's it. Elishima. It is Elishima. I'll just be honest with you guys. I kind of expected we would have at least one miss here. But this is like one of those home run derbies where, you know, you're hitting every pitch out of the park. So 
Well, I mean, we might have had some misses if you'd asked Nick some questions that were on the same level of the ones you've asked mine. Wine, wine, wine. But, hey, why don't you just continue looking in the uh, Jesus storybook for kids and grab Nick a couple of questions? (laughs) Well, here's an Old Testament question, so this might be a little more difficult. Uh, This is the final one. You can tie up the game here or it's going to be a loss, Nick. Miss it. Miss it. Who was? I won't. Well, never mind. Miss it. Like you tried to throw up my head before? Who was the father of Balaam, the man who spoke to his donkey? Or, more properly, the man who answered his donkey after his donkey spoke to him. The father of Balaam. Actually, if we went KJV, I think you would say that a whole different way. I sure would, but we're not going to do that. Mississippi Irish. Pehor is the correct answer. So that ends, that ends the game in a, in a tie. Well, one interesting what? Thing, well, it's four to four. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> one interesting thing about uh, Beor is uh, he is one of the seven guys who are considered Gentile prophets by the uh, Talmud. Uh, you don't, you guys don't know the uh, the other guys that are also Gentile prophets, see? The other uh, of the seven? No, well, there's six others. There's Beor and then six others. Yep, uh, Beor, um, Balaam. Is you're right? Okay. Job. Uh, Job and Job's friends. There you go. Yeah. Well done. And that's the game. Well, I, that, I, I don't. Who goes first then? Good for. I'll seed age. Okay. What? Old man McConnell. There we go. Next time I will have a harder game. I apologize. That was uh, fairly juvenile. It would there. be nice. Now we're gonna we're gonna get railroaded in the Hall of Dogma again this week because they're just gonna be talking about how. Our questions were easier. The questions yeah. were, were so easy that anybody could have got that. Well, I'm just going to play it straight, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. I was a little worried if we had a truly difficult trivia question that quiz that, you know, you guys would miss a few and then people would make fun of you again. again. So yeah. I did water it down a little bit. But, we I mean, some of those questions are a little tough, right? And it was late. We knew we'd be reporting uh, yeah, late. Okay. You know, Nick, you're kind of sick this week. and <laughs> There's a lot of medicine up in here. Yeah. And so we know, just, the, you know the, the teaching pastor at the Hall of Dogma don't know jack about the Bible. <laughs> I was just trying to be kind and encouraging. <laughs> That's very Lakewood biblical. Seminary? I mean. <laughs> did you just say that I went to Lakewood Seminary? <laughs> I think he did. <laughs> Okay. David has a master's just, of OST. Right, here we go. Let's see. We've just um, he just let that one. Mississippians, Irishmen. Mississippians? Is it Mississippians or Mississippians? Mississippians. <laughs> Let's butcher this. I word. don't know. Irishmen. Um, honest people. KJV lovers. <laughs> KJV lovers. Honest yep. people. Uh, Mississippian Irishmen. Yep. And now Joel Osteen, Lakewood. Attenders. Okay, so we we try to if you if this is your first time listening to the show, we try to keep a running list of the people who we offend, and so so far we're up to about a half dozen, which is honestly uh, f- almost forty minutes into the show, uh, it's pretty good it's, average. Yeah, it's not not bad good. for us. All right, usually stuff. we're at half the world by now. Serious stuff. Let's get into some topics for tonight. I, t- I told you earlier that we had a. Kind do we a, have a serious section to this podcast? We do. Wow. This is where we, we're going to move into it now. Okay. So we have uh, – uh, well, except that Bible game was very serious. Oh, of course. Serious. Yeah. The very definition. Very, very serious. Um, so uh, – but we have a kind of a uh, controversial topic tonight. Uh, but uh, I, I think – I don't know that we had to spend a lot of time on this. The Old Paths Guide – uh, tweeted us this week, said, At my gospel friends, would love to hear discussion on women teaching Sunday school. 
hashtag serious tweet. So uh, I'm just going to handle this one, guys, and I guess y'all can go ahead and get ready for the next topic. Cause I don't think you we know what? That's about. fine because you're going to be the one getting into trouble. Well, look, I just, Seacrest out. Let's. <laughs> I just want. I just want to say this definitively. I, I, I want people to hear hear what I'm about to say and just understand that when it comes to the Hall of Dogma Church, the place where we all go, the place where we are are at, we do not have women Sunday school teachers. Period. Well, that's true, but perhaps the first misleading thing that's happened in this podcast. Yeah. Because we Revelation don't have twenty one eight Sunday school at the Hall of what? Dogma Church. Well that would explain why we don't have women Sunday school teachers. <laughs> Correct. All right, Old Paths God. Well, we appreciate you sending that question in. Hope that cleared that up for you. Hey, Thoroughly answered. Maybe. Let's move. What? Let's play the hypothetical game okay. real quick. Capital H, capital G, hypothetical game. Uh, we just what, played the game. It was my turn to host. This is this is game part two. Oh, without okay. Motorhead. I'm in. This week. Motorhead. Um, wow. It is late, and I am on too many drugs. What if we did have Sunday school? Hypothetically speaking. Well, oh, I get it. Nick, okay. Nick yes. we, we could answer that, Nick, but we run the risk of alienating some of the audience. And how are we ever going to complete? Y'all run the risk of alienating me, but I mean, that's how that's are we ever going to complete that tower to our name if we don't, um, you know, have listeners? You do want to be Tony Stark when you grow up. I know. Okay, how about this? If you guys want to go controversial, maybe we don't. How about let's not do the old Paths God tweet? We also heard this week from at. Harry Jones, who tweeted us and said, guys, would love to hear a discussion on whether or not we should mention Jesus during church on Sunday morning. Okay, so why don't we say, deal with that? Let's do that. That's okay. non-controversial. We okay. should do it. We should do it a lot. Mention Jesus a lot in church on Sunday morning. Uh, and perhaps if you're writing a Christian marriage book, also mention Jesus a lot in that and quote some Bible verses, you know, just in case anybody might. Write one with a Hebrew mystical title and only use three verses. So there's Here's that like, question. Here's answer. looking at you at Rob Bell. Oh Yo. So you think we're good now? Do we? I can we? I think we're we move safe. on. You think the, controversy need... averted? Okay, good. What's next? What's next topic? Something about oh, it's big deal or little deal? Nick really wants us to cover. Oh look, the, I'm, uh, I'm good. The uh, old paths God question. I'm scared. I'm just stating that we haven't answered the question, but <laughs> who are you scared of? You scared of girls? Everybody. I'm scared of everybody <laughs> with this particular question because there's almost no way to do it. And we tackled the uh, we tackled the uh, drinking question. Surely we can tackle the women so, teaching Sunday school question. I'll give us a, a lead into this, and this will be fun for y'all. All I, right. Go ahead, feminist Nick. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> FN. <laughs> Um, maybe not <laughs> playing the role this week of no we, uh, we had a, a, a group of uh, people, young adults from the church over um, last Saturday night and we actually got to uh, have a conversation with um, one of the young ladies who comes from a different denomination than I hate I couldn't come to that oh wait I could have if I'd oh. been invited yeah I yeah, could have too you oh. have to know um, but anyway see how ahead. that works um I had to set my backyard on fire, and so I just happened to have people over. <laughs> um, thank God the 
anyway, it was a big fire. Um, but young lady went. Um, so are, are are any of the the pastors? Do we have any women pastors at the Hall of Dogma Church? And I went Chase. <laughs> This this discussion is off to a sterling start, and I just went well. Uh, no, and the conversation got real fun from there. And I'm going, why didn't I invite David or Chase Dadgummit? All right, look, I'm I'm just playing. I just wanted to have a little fun with the. Uh, the so old we're really got in the question. Yeah, let's get serious because okay. I'm I'm really not scared. Buckle to down. I'm not really I'm really not scared to talk about it. It was just uh, thought we'd just have a little fun there. But uh, all right, so old Paz guy did say we'd love to hear a discussion on women teaching Sunday school, and it is kind of funny. We don't we don't have Sunday school here, so we um, have things we call gospel communities, yeah. which are. Uh, like church groups that meet in uh, houses, essentially. Yeah, so we we have gospel a uh, we have one gospel community that meets uh, prior to the service on Sunday, uh, but um, we we haven't really had the more traditional Sunday school, which will probably make the old paths God quite angry. He's just going to be really angry. Uh, today. But uh, yeah, he's just he's just going to be kind of mad. But uh, um, so you know, essentially, I think I, I guess you, you know he's asking the question: Should women, uh, I assume, teach Sunday school? Um, in a in a with a mixed group is what I assume he's asking, but I think you could expand that question. Essentially, just kind of rolls into uh, women as uh, teaching in 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 church settings, and so um, I am. Uh, you know, Nick, bring you brought that up about the women uh, pastors, and I'm actually um, I'm actually of the mindset that uh, women can be pastors. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there's a, there's a couple of things to say there. Number one, I think pastors and pastoring, I'm put, let me say that, I think pastoring is a verb. Uh, in other words, I think uh, it's, it's more something that you do. Um, in, in fact, it's not just a verb, it's a spiritual gift. A, a gift, yes, exactly. Mm. So I, I think to, you know, the ability to pastor or to shepherd is something that people do and and have a gifting toward, and I absolutely believe that that women um, can have that spiritual gift of pastoring or shepherding, which essentially is helping to lead others. Now, I I, I think based on other things that I believe and see in the Bible, and and I'm sure is going to come out as we talk about this, that um, the Bible points women to pastoring and teaching primarily other women. And so, um, as far as having women pastors, have no issue with that whatsoever. Um, but that probably would not mean a single female pastoring a church, if that's what comes to your mind. That's not what I'm talking about, as much as I'm talking about females with the gift of pastoring, even holding a position in a church um, where they are a pastor to women in the church have absolutely no issue with that whatsoever um, to start off the discussion. Yeah, so that's a good start. Um, the position we have at the Hall of Dogma Church, um, as such as it is, and that, obviously that's not really our name, um, but we have, uh, we believe in women in ministry. We have essentially at the church, our leadership is broken down uh, to elders and deacons. We call our deacons ministers here because that word in the Greek diakonos can be better translated as minister or even waiter, waitress, because that's kind of the origin of the word. The primary leadership of the church here, we kind of base it on um, 
Paul's leadership in the Scripture. Um, it, the the primary leadership is is male. We are complementarian officially, if you're familiar with that. Uh, uh, that designation, but we have uh, female ministers. We have females in significant ministry roles here. In fact, I think one of the the ladies here who has one of the strongest uh, pastoral gifts I've ever been around is a female. Now she's not on staff here, but she does a ton of ministry. And, one of and the such. women with the most strong pastoral gift is a woman. Uh, let me put it. Let me put it in a <laughs> better, a clearer way. I know. One of the people I know with the strongest pastoral gift is is one of the ladies here at the Hall of Dogma, and we have several th- women here that I think have that gift, uh, and that kind of gets into a discussion of uh, gifting and office. Um, so, so that's kind of where we fall down. We, we value women as, as ministers of the gospel, as co-workers in Christ, um, as, as uh, the, the entirety of the mission field is, is open to them. Um, but we see in Scripture the way Paul uh, and Timothy and Titus lays down qualifications for elder, that that is an office to be held by uh, men. Yeah, and to be fair, you know, you said earlier we have female ministers. So um, what we we use that term, other churches use the term deacons. Yes. So we actually have here um, women holding the, the, the office of deacon or deaconess, uh, we call them ministers. But that, again, is because we believe having, and and that was something that Chase and I sat down several years ago and, and went through Timothy and Titus, and we looked at qualifications for the church and, and where Paul, I think, tells Timothy, I'm writing these things so that you would know how you ought to behave in the household of God. And we Actually, we're trying to best structure the leadership of the church here based on what we saw in Scripture. And we saw the elder position, plural, uh, plurality, which is why we um, we have elders here, not just a single elder, but yep. elders. And and then we saw the office of minister, and we, we believe what we saw in Scripture were a pretty good case for both deacon and deaconesses. And so that is that is ultimately how um, you know the the, the, the it, it was set up here, um, and so um, we talked through that, and you know the church voted and those those different things. So we have essentially, like you said, just that elder position that it seems to us from Scripture was something that God um, said should be held by a a man. And so that that's how – go ahead. Well, no, I, I wasn't trying to interrupt as much as kind of tack on after you were done. But um, the way we kind of divide it up, and, and just to kind of clarify in case our verbiage that we're using doesn't kind of flesh it out to, to some audience members, um, you have elders that are what they're talking about in charge with the leadership – um, and so in a lot of churches I have uh, been a part of, those that deacon role ends up being relegated to almost like a board if you're thinking about a corporation. And, and our model is, is not really like that. Yeah. Um, in some churches, I think what – in some churches basically the deacons serve as what we would call elders. Correct. And that's not our view of what deacons are actually supposed to be. Yeah, and so be. in our view you, you see – I mean the elders are tasked with – 
leadership, and so they they lead. They set, they set the vision. Um, they they execute. Um, it, it's it's two of the elders that are pr- the primary teachers um, in in the congregation, and what the, the ministers or the deacons do, um, they handle. Um, and, and again, this model is getting fleshed out here, even still. But it's more of the the kind of the hands and feet of that vision that the elders set out. That's yeah. the goal, um, and so the elders can worry about. Um, making sure, you know, committed to the word, committed committed to the overall health of the church and the ministers can facilitate a lot of that, you know, making sure they don't have to worry about the the mundane kind of, so to speak. And so here, like here, of course, uh, and I think we've mentioned this before, Nick is a minister and actually the, the head of our minister, uh, our minister team. And on that team is both men and women who are – Leading out in service right. among the congregation, the community, but to, but great point because there are many churches, and quite honestly, many churches even in the Baptist world that have a single pastor model uh-huh. with deacons, right. and a lot of times those deacons um, are not serving as what I would say are really the role of what the deacon was yeah. in Scripture, but they are serving more uh, as elders, which yeah. at that point I think you should call them what they are, which is yeah. elders and not, not call them deacons. But but, but we're kind of going yeah, – that's, that's a whole – we're going way down church leadership road. Here's what I would say um, in, in terms of – because you get into the question about women teaching. Um, this, is, this is my view. Um, I see Paul when he's writing in Timothy and Titus – Apparently, primarily, or at least one of his main focuses in his letters to Timothy and Titus was helping set up new churches and talking about setting out leadership and what those churches should look like. And so Paul gave instructions in Timothy and Titus about qualifications for leadership and elders and ministers and what have you. And it is part of part of that in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he, Paul says that um, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. And so when I read that, um, that appears to me to be a certain type of teaching that Paul is saying, this should not be a woman holding this position over a man, um, which is teaching with authority, an authoritative Teaching and all all teachings authoritative. Yeah, the context of First Timothy two seems to be uh, a worship gathering. Yes, a a gathering of of the ecclesia, the the people of God. And and I think even I would say, you know, portion of that there again, the whole letter being how a church is set up. So what I think he he has in view there is the elder role, Um, because elders are granted. Um, this leading authority in teaching and oversight of the church. And, and you just see this throughout the New Testament because it talks about – you get to Hebrews, and it tells people, you know, honor your leaders or, or, or you know, support your leaders essentially as those who will give an account, as those who are watching over your soul. Um, it talks about how – it even says – it uses the word obey your leaders, which I've talked about on this podcast before. I think that's because leaders, elders are supposed to teach the word, and the word is supposed to be obeyed. But there is a there is a relationship between the church and the elders and that the elders are given the task of shepherding the church um, 
exercising some degree of authority there biblically uh, within the confines of Scripture, and they will give an account one day for how well they led. And that role appears to me to be um, re- restricted to men. Yeah. And so wh- when you start talking about women teachers, okay, I am not a guy who thinks that if a female is teaching and a guy's in the room, he needs to plug his ears and run out of the room or something like that. You know, he doesn't need to listen. I believe that you can have female teachers. I personally think that you could have uh, women Sunday school teachers where there are men in the room, maybe a mixed group. I would prefer that to be a couple teaching the Sunday school with other couples in there perhaps. Um, But I think you could have all different types of situations where women are are doing what God has granted them to do, which is see things in Scripture and share thoughts and share insights and and even, you know, that teaching and explanation of the Word. I just think there's a particular type of authority that they are not supposed to – authoritative teaching that they are not supposed to exercise because that is something that God has granted that men would hold that particular role. And that was going to actually be kind of my clarifying question for the purpose of of the – the specific Twitter question is, you know, we don't have specific Sunday schools, but we do have the gospel communities. And um, I actually attend, my, my family attends the one facilitated by, by Chase. Um, you facilitated one for a while, David. And, you know, how, I know how our gathering goes, but kind of, can you guys speak to that for a second about how you let the communication and the and the discussion go in, in there with the involvement of ladies? Okay, that, that's a great question. I, I want to tackle that. Because if, if you read 1 Timothy 2.12, which is the verse David was talking about, um, one of the most controversial verses in the Bible, um, I'll, I'll read it in the ESV. Paul says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. And I want, I want to say, or, or, first of all, no, number two I recognize and we recognize that that verse is almost an anathema in our culture, in modern Western culture, to even think that such a thing could be in the Bible. Big word, big word alert there. Anathema. Well, anathema, accursed. Uh, and to even think that people would follow that in 2014. Um, and I get that. And so, so let me say at the outset, here's our motivation here. And as much as possible, when we understand what the Word is saying, he, he, our our philosophy is, and I think the right way to do it essentially is, we put ourselves under the Word. We are under the Word. We are people who will follow the New Testament. And I don't believe complementarianism, this, this view that men and women have equal value but di- different roles, I do not believe that is in the least bit belittling to women or glorifying to men. So, so that, say that at the outset. Your specific question, Nick, mm-hmm. um, I, there are some translations of the Bible that render the last part of 1 Timothy 2.12 that women are to remain silent. I have a problem with that. I don't think that's the right translation. I don't think that's the right position for women in God's church, period. Uh, the Greek word there, not to get all nerdy on you guys, is hezukia, and it does not mean silent. It, it does have a meaning of quietness, but that word is used, I don't know, three, four, five times in the New Testament, including uh, 
in uh, let's see Second Thessalonians three twelve. Uh, where Paul says, we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ Christ, to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Well, you know that doesn't mean silence. He's not commanding Christians to work without saying a word. He's commanding them to have a posture of listening of submission and of quietness and i think that's precisely what's being said there you know in the context of second uh, timothy 2 women are not being commanded to be silent they're command they're being commanded to listen i think is is kind of a a thrust there um in the context of the service so how we do gospel communities we have um we have participation from men and women sharing verses, praying for each other, etc. Because when you look in the New Testament, you find Priscilla and Aquila teaching a guy, Apollos. You find women prophesying. You find women engaging in all kinds of things, evangelism. Romans 16, Paul thanks a bunch of women who are very clearly in ministry. And, and I want to, on the one hand, completely remain faithful to the Word, and on the other hand, walk in this realization that men and women both are called to significant ministry. And he even talks about women prophesying in the context of a gathering. It, indeed, yes. And so it's speaking certainly in a public gathering. Speaking in a public gathering. And prophesying, so which is high. Exactly. So, you know, it, it's not it, – it can't mean completely quiet. That was not it, – it, there would be a contradiction there. The word doesn't mean that. But again, I want I want to be you know I, I think there's a there's a way to go too far on either side. Again, yes. I think there are there I think there are men. <laughs> I think there are people out there who who have that idea of you know if if a woman was going to speak on something from scripture, um, you you don't need to listen. You know, I, I, John Piper has been asked before, uh, would you read a commentary written by a, a woman, or would you listen? You know, would you uh, listen to Beth Moore teach, and I, I I don't remember Piper's exact answer, like his quote, but essentially what he said about Beth Moore is, I have, there are things to learn, uh, I, I like her as a teacher, um, I just think it would be wrong if, if a man made her their primary authoritative teacher in their life, and and so I think that's, to me, that's the uh, the other side of it is female elders or where there is a church where the pastor of that church is a female, I think that's stepping outside of the bounds of Scripture on the other side of the issue. Yes, um, even when somebody says, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. What we do, this is our belief that the Word calls us to follow the Word, not even our deeply held feelings. Remember, we serve a Jesus who said, deny yourself. Yes, uh, that reminded me of the uh, Mark Driscoll one time. I know we hadn't talked about him enough lately, but he you said, he, "Yeah, he uh, Driscoll. You ever heard of him? He's I can't. The, I can't place it. I'm sorry. He had somebody walk up to him one time at his church and say, uh, the Lord has called me as a, as a lady. And so the Lord's called me to be a pastor.' And he said, "Okay, but he just didn't call you to be one here because we don't have <laughs> we don't have women elders. So, um, but yeah, sounds that, about like Driscoll. Sounds about like Driscoll. I guess that maybe, maybe that's." <laughs> That's how he handled things. <laughs> but, um, hmm. you know, you have – I think you could get off the rails quickly one way or the other. Could it be 
outside the bounds of Scripture to have a quote-unquote female Sunday school teacher. Well, it could. I think it could. If you had a female Sunday school teacher who was trying to exert authoritative, elder-type teaching authority over men in that in the classroom, I think that could probably get into get out of bounds. But at the same time, I think you can it can be done in a right way. Just like I think you know uh whether it's women speaking on a on a you know in a gathering of believers, uh sharing scripture, sharing thoughts on scripture, teaching from scripture, I think there's a right way for it to be done that is not going outside the bounds of scripture. It's just what the Bible seems to point away from is a woman taking the that elder role, authoritative teaching role, over a man. That that seems to be what the Bible yeah. points us away from. So, um, you know, I, I think like anything else, you just have to pray through that, and like you said, try to follow Scripture and not what it it feels like. You know may be right. What does the Bible say is right? But again, I think you you put it really well. This is not about trying to hold anyone down. This is not about trying to um, keep people from fulfilling their purposes. God's way and the way God has set things up is the right way. And it is the best way for people, um, men and women. Well, with my closing statement, let me say a brief word on biblical leadership, because I think biblical leadership is vastly different from uh, the way we understand leadership in the world. Uh, I do believe the Bible, Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, calls the man to be the leader in the home and, and elders to lead in the church. But that kind of leadership is a serving leadership, primarily serving it's all about service. If you're in a church where the pastor uh, or pastors use their authority to get people to serve them, that is is the opposite of what the New Testament calls us to. The pastors, the elders of the church, are to be the lead servants. If you're a, if you're a husband and you take advantage of Ephesians five to get your wife to serve you and do what what you say in a in a lording it over sort of harsh way, you don't begin to understand the Bible. You are smearing foulness over the teachings of the Bible by that sort of action because a a husband is called to love his wife like Christ loved the church, a self-sacrificing sort of servant leadership that is not at all about the best for him but the best for her and the best for his family. And, And the same with elders. So this is not a matter of keeping people out of a position where they get to be treated well. It's a matter of men leading the church as head servants, serving the body, sacrificing for the body, laying their lives down for the body, not for their own benefit. And anything other than that is not biblical leadership. I just I was going to make a really silly comment, but Chase well, was really, really good. There's no place for silly comments on the I just didn't know. podcast. I, I, I get that with the, the family and, and the household. I just didn't know why you made David be your armor bearer for his first two years after you got here. Wow. Let me tell you something. That armor bearing stuff, that that kind of thing that is in some brands of Christianity, Well, you know, it's, I it, get a problem with that a little bit. And I've talked about this a little bit. You You're know, not a king. I came up in a very what, – what we would now Are you call talking a to me? king. I'm talking to pastors who – have people carry their Bibles around for them. You're not a king, Pastor. Yeah, you're, you're a servant. Well, and that's and that's what's so interesting because I did come up in a more king pastor model, and and to see this, you know, and and this is where I will say, 
you know, you, you hear us talk about this, and sometimes we go, we, you know, have done or tried or, you know, this gets messy at times. And that's and that's the thing I do want to, you know, we, we say the things we say on here with confidence because this this is not something we went, yeah, Bible says this, we're going to do this. I fought with these guys about this because, you know, the, the church model I come from is just much, much different. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. What about this? And that and it was fun times, too. Well, yeah, but in, in fairness, I wasn't the only one giving them a hard time. But, you know, when we were, when we were quote, unquote, changing the, the, the church structure of Agape, it wasn't king pastor model by any chance. But these guys felt very passionate about the elder-led plurality of leadership and empowering the elders to be elders, the deacons to be, you know, and, and not for their good. It's more accountability for them. It's harder for them to a frustrating degree for me sometimes when I'm like, hey, guys, we need we need to go. We need to do this. And, and they're going, yeah, but, but we, we haven't come to a consensus. And I'm like, well, but, you know, there is they take their role and they take the responsibility so seriously. And it's, and it was tough to get there. And it's, and it's still, I don't like to use the word messy because that implies, um, you know, God's not sovereign in it. And then I believe he is, but you know, it, it is more difficult at sometimes this way, but I believe it's the better way. And that's, uh, it, and look to be, to be fair there, let's, you know, I take a, take just a second. I'll honor chase for that. You know, there was a look when we were looking at changing, the government structure, the the way the church here was governed, um, after Chase had been here just a couple of years, it was not a consolidation of power for him as the guy that it had been hired as the senior pastor. It was him saying it shouldn't just be one single pastor mm-hmm. making all the decisions because that's not what it looks like in the New Testament. The structure that was then came after that was a plurality of leaders. And the way this thing is set up here, the way it is here, is that even as the senior guy, um, yeah, it's not the buck doesn't stop with him. It's not like, you know, it's set up to where Chase ultimately makes all the decisions because it's that's not how it's set up. And he led the charge on that. And so uh, you know, that that speaks to his heart and to how God had um, laid on, on on him to be biblical, and ultimately, that's ultimately at the end of the day, that's that's the thing. It doesn't matter what David McConnell thinks about women in ministry, mm-hmm. men in ministry, or how a church is supposed to be set up. It doesn't matter at all what I think, or Nick thinks, or Chase thinks. What does the Absolutely. Bible? What does the Bible say? What it is God's church, and and He owns all of this. So what does He say? Mm-hmm. And I happen to think that what He says is best for all of us. And no matter how culture pushes against various ele- uh, elements of Scripture, at the end of the day, God is Lord, and and we line up with Him. And and again, I think that when we do that, we are going to be fruitful. I think women will be most fruitful when they are following. The, the biblical commands given to them, men m- most fruitful following their biblical commands and, um, and, and not worrying about what is culturally acceptable and being very careful to follow the Word and what it shows us, which, like you said, is, is certainly not a male headship of forcing subordination and forcing, you know, you do what I say. It's complete opposite of that. 
Um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's incumbent upon us to follow the word and, and what it says. Yeah. Something I know that the contrarian and or the um, more, you know, we jokingly called me a feminist earlier, but the one thing I know that I used to bring up was, you know, well, you see women leaders in the Bible all the time. And, and I can say this, you know, from a uh, repentance par- part in my marriage, partially. And then in the Bible, the, the point where you see women like Deborah and um, other other women figures kind of have to stand up. It's when the women. It's once when the men have basically surrendered their their role and they're not functioning correctly. And and I have a very strong personality spouse. And you know, it, it was funny to me in my marriage that whenever I started leading more biblically, all of a sudden some of the pressure and opposition that at one time I received disappeared. And so, you know, if there's, if there's, and you know, that's not everybody. And, you know, I'm obviously partial to my wife, but you know, I've, I've seen it a lot that when, when people are functioning correctly, when you see that servant style leadership that, you know, was mentioned, some of this stuff gets less complicated. You're always going to have the, some people that, that are really are their own agenda, but you know, it, when that servant leadership kind of becomes an, come takes hold um, not in the authoritative but in the Christ honoring Christ like way it's amazing how much stuff works itself out yeah so. amen you know there was this new story this week about a British soldier who um, there was a I think it was a, a loose grenade or something that was thrown at his platoon. Uh, he jumped uh, backwards, landed on it on his backpack, essentially sacrificing his life. Um, it blew up, rocketed him into the air, but the backpack took all the all the force of it. It didn't kill him, but he well, was, you know, indeed sacrificing his life. You know the kind of guy I'd want to follow? I'd want to follow that guy without any problem. This is a guy who's going to lay his life down for me. I don't have problem following that guy. And that's the kind of leadership we're called to, the kind of leadership that says, hey, I will lay my life down for you. And so husbands, uh, pastors, if people are bristling against your leadership, Look in the mirror and say, am I leading in such a way that these people know, not just because I'm telling them, but they see it in me, that I will lay my life down for them? Because I don't think we bristle against that kind of leadership. I would say amen to that. Yep. All right. Well, pulling back the curtain a little bit, I just want to let you know we just paused the show and had a discussion and a vote, and uh, Nick and David voted down my story, so I guess we're going to forget right. my Taking topic. Taking back control. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're going well. to skip We're gonna skip my segment. We'll do BBLD. I only voted to uh, skip yours instead of Nick's because Nick, you know, just... He would be cr- sad. Yeah, he gets sad and he cries, and it's kind of pathetic and then he wants to hug which is well, we're never, not, he's sick I don't want to hug him uh, tonight it's not. Uh, well normally it's okay but uh, I'm done with sickness for yeah, a little but while. every week is a little awkward yeah so big deal little deal we'll put that off until next week and that takes us into the hall monitor segment dun 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 okay is that, is that our theme music for the hall monitor segment you just did the A team it is yeah. now alright you just did that well why would the A team be have know. anything to do with the hall monitor okay pause it and give me a second to think of why and then I'll come back with a clever answer Okay, I'm I'm gonna just I'm in the Hall of Dogma. Um, I'm gonna let this is what Nick's, is the Hall of Dogma? The Hall of way. Dogma oh is um, is the uh, is the single greatest source of theological discussion, 
Talk About the Gospel Friends podcast and great artwork like posted by Lee Trowbridge this week of a horse head on a hamburger oh. bun. That is a haunting picture, by the way. <laughs> Based on the uh, discussion. Do you know what that's from? I, actually, I didn't. Okay, so after you left last week, uh, we were we oh, were finishing right. up. You had oh, to leave that's right. The, I had to leave early. You had yeah, to leave yeah. at the very end of the site. <laughs> that wasn't early, for the record. Okay, well. No, it wasn't. <laughs> but you had to leave kind of quick, you know, there at the end. And so we were talking about fast food fails, and I just asked the guys what was, you know, it was there a fast food item or place that got shut down that you used to love. And yeah. Emmanuel and I both, we, we discovered, used to love a place called Hot Now. Which was one now. of the best burger, best burgers around. I thought, and, and and Emmanuel did as well. And you could eat. I don't care if you're making that look on your that look on your face. You could eat for like three dollars, like nineteen hamburgers and fries. I mean, it was awesome. But Emmanuel informed me last week that the reason they eventually shut down is they people found out it was actually um, horse meat. No, that, that that sounds like an urban legend to me. That's exactly what I would have said. Had Are I been you here. doubting the general? I am. All right, I'm going to Google it. Y'all go ahead, Nick. That's where the horse head on the uh, bun came from. Yeah, well, I wondered. If, if from the Lee horse Trowbridge. head was to uh, whatever that is, um, later on he's got a Actually, horse like a hamburger patty on a spatula. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know right. that the people in Belgium, France, Spain, and Switzerland eat? Uh, well, I'm sorry, the people of Italy eat, uh, on average, 900 grams of horse meat per year, and, and also Belgium, France, Spain, Switzerland, German people they also eat horse meat and like it. Just you know, just for the record. Thanks for sharing that. So Tony Vance this week in so, the by the way the hall monitor segment. <laughs> The home is about to be cut out because you and I are talking too much as okay. always. But the hall monitor segment is where, since this is the first time we've done it, go ahead. Oh, it is the first we've yeah. officially done yeah. it. Uh, we we actually kind of we piloted the segment without a name previously, but we're gonna we're gonna highlight a specific topic that was put in the hall this week, and we're just gonna discuss it for for a couple of minutes. Um, and so, uh, I'm a little bit torn over over choosing this one. Um, I like the content of the article, but we were called hostesses. Which is a little bit yeah. problematic for us, but Tony, because we're dudes. Um, Tony, yeah. what was that about? Unless he's thinking of giving us some hostess sandwich, like little snack, Twinkies, little Debbie stuff. I'm down oh, with the, this. Those things are good. Hostess makes some good. Exactly. So I'm okay with that if that's what he was trying to get to. If he's calling us, if he's calling us hostesses, he is administrative assistant Vance Thank from you now very on. Much. Um, <laughs> Seeing, <laughs> we love you, Tony. Except wow. for David. Yeah, David's tough, man. Um, he posted an article from relevantmagazine.com. Wait, you're going to. I'm saying if he's calling us hostesses, you're going to really let him call you a girl? You. I'm looking at you. I'm letting Nick talk because I'm. I'm kind. really about to meet you. <laughs> Go. Um, t- entitled, Being a Christian Doesn't Always Look Like You Think It Should. Um, and uh, t- tagline below it Churches need to ditch their religious cookie cutters. Um, and there was there was some some kind of fun back and forth amongst some of the the hall uh, members, basically going. So what exactly did that dude say in the article? Because it, it was it was a lot of to me a lot of the verbiage was. Well, this guy in the Bible didn't conform to what you think church should, and this other guy in the Bible didn't conform to what you think the church should. Um, and meanwhile, the the article you know 
picture in the header has a kid with gauges. He's tatted up. Clearly looks like a, a rocker kid of some you know music um, genre there. But um, and it's basically what uh, Preston Sprinkle is doing is taking churches to task for for having a mold people have to fit in before they come versus being open to whoever whoever may come. And so I more wanted to just not to completely set the article aside, but just kind of get you guys thought on does the church, I I know we, we have done different things in the past. Do you think the church does a good job of, of making those that don't quote unquote look like us, talk like us, walk like us feel welcome. And if yay, if nay, what should we do when and how Ace is already shaking his head. So pass to you first. Gosh, especially in the South. I think we're, I think we're just terrible at making different people feel welcome. And I mean people that are dressed differently. I, I, I think I think one of the chief failures in this area is is with with um, homosexual people. We've singled out that that sin, which I believe is a sin, you know, cast your stones. I believe that's very clearly a sin in the Bible, but we've treated it like a super sin mm-hmm. and have made the church a place where it's so difficult for a person struggling with homosexuality to find grace. I mean, that's not uh, you know the church doesn't save people, but we've just we've muddied the waters there. You know, we've muddied the waters as far as dress goes. Uh, this isn't the best article I've ever read, but I tell you what, this, I'm going to read a paragraph from it, and I think it really brings up a good point. Uh, the writer says. I attended a conservative brethren church when I lived in Scotland. Some of the women wore head coverings, and none of them spoke in church. When I had our Irish pastor and his wife over for dinner, I asked them what he would like to drink. Beer, please, the preacher said. And for you, madam, I'll take a glass of Chardonnay wine. Thank you. Were they liberal or conservative? I guess it depends on what subculture you come from. And the fact of the matter is, so often here in church in the South, we have expectations as to what conservatism is, and it's not always based on the Bible. We're not told how to dress Sunday mornings. We're, we're, in fact, the closest thing we're told to as far as how to dress in church is we're told to dress uh, kind of simply. And so I've I've had you know we don't Not have to over adorn yourself exactly yeah, yeah. and that's you know that's directed to women but probably a principle for all of us I've had people get onto me because I mainly wear jeans uh, to preach in here and and so does pretty much everybody else nobody dresses up here but. It, it, we're not told biblically how we're supposed to dress, so we shouldn't make that an issue. Period, mm-hmm. uh, because that's a that's a biblical you know that's not a biblical issue. That's a cultural issue, and I'm not saying you shouldn't uh, somehow reach out to the culture, but don't raise those sorts of things to the level of biblical command. If you do, it's kind of borderline Pharisaical. Yeah. David, First Samuel sixteen seven. Uh, for God sees not as man sees, for a man looks at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So I think that's a pretty clear teaching that um, it's uh, we are geared toward looking at someone making judgments right away, looking at their outward appearance, whether it is, well, they must be very godly or they must not be very godly or, um, you know, however however it goes, where, where God is concerned about an individual's heart. So I think that, um, and I do think that's here in the South, that's, um, seems to be an issue. I've got some friends that pastor, um, you know, other parts of the country, a, a good friend of mine, pastor a church in California, didn't seem to be as much of a problem in, in some of those areas. Um, but here it, it, uh, in our part of the country, it does seem to be a little bit more, um, 
you know, because you grew up with your, what do they call it, your Sunday best. So, you know, yeah. you, 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 you dressed a certain way to go to church, you looked a certain way, but um, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem if someone wants to wear a tie to church. No issue with that at all. I mean, you could, it could kind of go either way. Um, you know, don't mind if you dress up or you dress down. But uh, I think that culture where the idea of we need to fix ourselves up to go to church, to look good, be dressed in our best clothes, best behavior, has created this dynamic that we're kind of suffering with today where um, church was not always the place where people were themselves and shared their issues and their problems when it's the very place that they should have been doing those things. Instead, it became this... Well, this is the place where we've got to pretend everything's going. You put on your best face in yeah, church. Yeah, put on your best face. Your best face, which makes you know that, that's complete opposite of what we need to do in the body of Christ. And then the same thing with you know people who quote unquote look different. Um, you know, and and I think you said it very well on the the issues of homosexuality. I think people would look at someone maybe dealing with alcoholism, and maybe people in the church would say, "Oh, you should come here and and." And we want to stand beside you and help you with that. But maybe someone's struggling with temptations and homosexuality, and the idea is, oh, you can't come to church like that. You know, yeah, you got to clean yourself up. Clean first. yourself up and then come to church. Well, that's fundamentally that's, flawed. Well, it is because it's against the gospel. So. Yeah. I'll throw my hat in the ring real quick here. And, and let me say this. You know, we, like I said, we kind of took to task maybe uh, – Preston's take being Preston Sprinkle, the right of the article, being a little emergent. And, you know, I, I, like I said, I didn't feel like I understood what he was trying to say. I just, I, he never, for me, wrapped it up. Um, let me just say, I have, I don't have gauges or anything, but I have been the kid they're trying to express there with, with that article. Um, you know, back late 90s, early 2000s, I was in the punk rock, hardcore music scene here in here in Birmingham um, I grew up experiencing what they're trying to say this kid experiences in church um, and, and I can say unequivocally that uh, relationship can can handle a lot of this there is um, and this I say this with all humility because I was that kid um, there's some young men um, in our church um, that were in a band that is the 2013 2014 version of what I used to listen to, and, um, you know, we used to try to, when we were able, um, have concerts for their bands here, and these were, um, <laughs> Dr. Septum um, helped me set up and, and run one of them one time, and he said he had to listen to uh, uh, Harry Connick Jr. on the way home to calm down. The music had been so intense. But, you know, <laughs> I would I would come to this show um, dressed up. I, I work for a, a, a Fortune 500 uh, financial institution uh, for my day job. And, you know, I would come straight from work in my kind of dressed up shoes, my slacks and my polo, looking nothing like the kids that were here. And, you know, I'd look at them, you know, or I wouldn't, they would look at me kind of like, what is this dude doing here? And the thing that broke down all those barriers was relationship. Yep. And when those kids realized that they were in the room because I was in the room, all of a sudden a dialogue opened up because I'm like, I don't care what you look like, behave. You know, don't 
don't smoke in the building, please. Don't knock each other's teeth out. Don't no- oh, oh, why oops. did we have to bring that up? You know, don't get into a fight. Don't let me catch you with your girlfriend, you know, in the hallways that are darkened. But let's talk. Let's come together. Let's let's enjoy this music. Let's and, and you know, a ton of those kids, I was able to build relationships because I was there and I let them be themselves. And I and I'm not saying churches should have hardcore praise and worship on Sunday morning, but you know, relationship goes a, a long way. And if and if we would quit going, hey, you guys out there, make sure you look like us before we get here, or creating that impression. The the other problem is. It's what um, one of the voicemails uh, pointed out last week was when people start going, hey, does your church suck? You know, we don't like your church either. Come to our church. That's not what I'm talking about either. Um, But, you know, and every church can't meet every need, and I think that's okay. But we have to stop competing, and we have to to stop. Counterculture can become your thing. Yes. And then all of a sudden, any church that appears to at all embrace something cultural, you know, in terms of like, you know, people that dress not. In other words, hey, everybody needs to come to church and, and dress grungy. Or you know, if somebody if, if somebody were to wear slacks and a polo, then oh, that's just traditional religion. Well, that that's that's doing the same thing. It's just yeah, it's, 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 it's making appearance a, a much bigger deal Completely. than it is. And, and we have to understand that from a cultural standpoint is like even if like it doesn't even make sense if you have to dress a certain way to come to church. I mean. Why? Why is it the American way? I mean that that's oh, that's look, American. I, that's an American ideal and thought process. Is that? I mean, you know, well, it would have to be a suit and tie and and not. Well, I mean, that's that's an American thing because there's, you know, New Testament they wouldn't have dressed that way and <laughs> they would have. Jesus and, didn't. Well, and and all across the world they wouldn't. You know, all places. You know, if they dress nicely, it wouldn't look anything like we do. So it's just. Um, you know that, that you just have to those kinds of things that that the, I think the enemy uses to separate and create division. Absolutely. If people feel so inclined on this thread on the Hall of Dogma, it's, it, like I said, it's one of Tony's uh, advances posts. Um, like I said, we you know we kind of took one uh, direction with it, but I wouldn't mind. I would love it actually if if people of different parts of the country or different parts of the world um, would go on and describe your area's Sunday best. Um, kind of what what that looks like because I would imagine different parts of the world have a slightly different idea of that. I think it'd be sounds be interesting. Good. By the way, I think you look good with gauges. Go for it. Uh, that yeah. just seems painful to me. I, I don't know it. that I'm going to get away with that at work. First of all, another but, by the way, Preston Sprinkles, the guy who co-wrote Erasing Hell with Francis Chan. Okay, see, I knew. Well, so what's what's funny about all this is are y'all I'll, saying Preston Sprinkles? Sprinkle, sprinkle, singular. So. I, <laughs> inside baseball, but I was talking about the old school rock music scene, and I just ordered um, while we were on the show. Actually, um, I know Tooth and Nail has a twenty year kind of anthology movie and uh, coffee table photo book oh. um, that they put out. It called No New No New Kind of Story, and um, I'd heard uh, the Bad Christian podcast actually interviewed Brandon Ebel, the yeah, president, this week, and. I was listening to that. It was like a trip down memory lane. So then I have this article by um, Tony. It was it was pretty fascinating. But. I liked a lot of those old uh, tooth and nail bands. Still like some hard music. Um, sadly, Sprinkle seems to be sliding away a bit from his uh, well, I actually his thought, hell views. I was trying to figure out if he's related to an old uh, guy that was in that scene, Aaron Sprinkle, but I never could figure it out. I don't know. So it was just it was too small of a world kind of thing. 
All right, guys, we're going to get ready to uh, kind of wrap up here with some feedback. We'll say a few things about the Hall of Dogma. Um, I haven't been able to be in there this week as much as I wanted to, but uh, a lot of lot of good posts and articles that we didn't get to, and even some funny things. Uh, I saw Kevin, uh, Dr. Septum, posted an old uh, Faith Today video from an old video podcast we did for a while where he would did <laughs> some – uh, for that, Kevin. No, he, he kind of shot missiles at us and blew us up, but pretty funny. Uh, we've got people in the hall asking for um, – uh, you know, ideas and assistance and assistance on things they're doing at their churches. And uh, it's good seeing that interaction. Um, some people posting their own blogs that they where they've been writing articles on different issues. Yeah, yeah by the way, that, that, that discussion of suicide versus euthanasia, uh, I haven't jumped in there yet. Very intriguing to me discussion. Is that uh, the, uh, that's the one where Tony posted yes. a link to his, uh, his blog on that issue. Very interesting discussion. Yeah, the uh, the director posted. I'd love to uh, tackle that. I just you know, with it being so close to her death, it just mm. seems difficult. That was from November fourth, uh, where Tony posted. He'd written a blog on the subject of suicide and had quite a few comments that came after that. Um, had some comments and uh, post on um, hymns and uh, contemporary music um, and uh, some favorite people on Twitter to follow and. By the way, all this talk of the Hall of Dogma, uh, to find the Hall of Dogma, just go to Facebook and search for Hall of yep. Dogma. Yep. And uh, it's it's a members-only group, but anybody can let you in. So just ask to join, and you'll be in. That is more of an issue if you become a troublemaker. We can yeah, forcibly I mean, make you we, leave. We, and that's not that we – I don't think we've ever booted anybody. No, no, no. no. We I, just don't want to be a Hall of Argument. Yeah. We, got, we don't have time for that. Do you get a jacket? Not yet. It's a members only. Oh my god! Get a jacket. Well, we're we're, we're working on shirts. Members only. We are working on shirts. So hopefully we'll have those out. One last article I'll point out. I think this may have been a big deal, little deal tonight before it got axed. So I don't know if it'll make a, a headlines. Uh, if it'll make its way back next week. But uh, interesting story. Interesting story from Florida about a ninety-year-old man who's facing jail oh, time yeah. for feeding the homeless. And it, this goes back to a subject we talked about. Uh, several episodes back about cities that are passing laws, essentially, you can tell what they're trying to do is, quote-unquote, outlaw homelessness or move the homeless out of their city. For example, this city passed a law that made it illegal to share food in public, which essentially created a situation where you couldn't cook a meal and Handed, yeah, feed the homeless, and and so it's it's very interesting because we we talked about Jesus, that. and I'm no liberal. Jesus calls us to feed the homeless, and you know, just for the record. And there was a 90 year old man there who had been feeding the homeless for years. He had a uh, just a you know an organization set up that did it, and he said, "I'm going to do it anyway." And they came and arrested him, and he said, "As soon as I get out of jail, I'll I'll be back to do it again." So yeah, I bet the 90 year old guy wins this one. I hope so. Something totally. Few uh, Twitter. Uh, some Twitter feedback this week. We How don't have do people a, find us on Twitter? Well, they have to create a login to Twitter. Technically, they don't have to. At My Gospel Friends. That's what I was going for. Uh, so at My Gospel Friends. We don't have a lot of Twitter feedback this week because we're recording this show Sorry. earlier than normal. Uh, but uh, I want to get Chris Atwood in this week because hey, um, he uh, he tweeted us Last week, didn't have a chance to get the comments on the show, at Motion in Meaning. And Chris, if our T-shirts were ready, which they're coming, but if they were ready, you'd be getting one. Mm -hmm. True. Um, Why? 
because he went back and started listening to the show from almost the very beginning, and in just a couple of weeks ha- has called all the way up in 20, oh 23 my. episodes. That's incredible. That's a lot of listening to the two of you in a short amount of time. Oh so 24 episodes average about, what, seven and a half hours each? Uh, wow, that's a lot of So he, he tweeted me this week and said, um, number one, he, he said, you guys associated haggis kilts and bagpipes with Ireland. My ancestors were rolling in their graves. Um, that, that was a joke. Well, to clear that up, I was – talking about being Irish, and Chase, who for some reason does not want me to be Irish, said you are as Irish as haggis, kilts, and bagpipes. Yes. Making the uh, the, the joke that you I'm are not, as I'm Scottish, yeah, yeah. which I'm not. But uh, Chris Atwood then said, I'm almost caught up through the episodes. A few episodes back, something caught my ear. I would pay for the book, Calvinism, according to Nick. I would also pay for that book. It would be epic. It would be funny, especially if it was like comics you know, and cartoons. November is NaNoWriMo National Novel Writing Month. I think we may have a project. Do Whoa. it. At Funky Stickman <laughs> said, At my gospel friends, I would give you a rating on iTunes, but I don't want to accept the mark of the iBeast. Hey, Any ideas? Hey, hey. <laughs> I have an idea. Use a throwaway uh, Hotmail account. There you go. There you All go. right, so Chase's whole thing is get it done, but do it five stars, or he will. <laughs> it's not true. He will. Uh, he'll. Uh, I'll just be slightly be sad. slightly aggravated okay. at you. BT Horton this week tweeted us at my gospel friends. So are the three ministers named Larry, Moe, and Curly? That would be us. Yeah. Now, um, BT Horton. I think Mr. Horton not, his, not, a, um, not a not a fan of the show. There. He, well, his uh, his Twitter handle is at iconic infidel, and uh, having read his bio, which he proudly proclaims to be an atheist, I, I assume he was having a little fun with us. Um, I imagine if you've listened to the show for a while, Larry, Moe, and Curly might fit us fairly well. It's not far off. Um, the I, I general is Mo. You didn't add the uh, other tweet we got from the other uh, atheist, and his uh, ter- Dude, comments that, wait, may, may be a little. I, I can't repeat some of his. Um, is that that's the guy that tweets us every now and then? Uh, tweets us every now and then to slander the Bible and and, yeah, and Jesus us and Jesus and, and Jesus's mom and, and oh my goodness, anyone associated. We with need him. to have him on his guest one day. Y'all work on that. I might not be here. The director. Tweeted us this week, episode twenty-three. The general seemed Driscoll-esque. Is that a word? Driscoll-esque. And a great addition. On second thought, Driscoll's not busy right now. See if Ooh. we should have our people get in touch with his people. Hey, I bet we could really get some hate tweets then if we could, because you know what would happen if we got Driscoll here. Yes. Then all the people who had aimed for his his downfall would then aim for the downfall of the gospel friends. Wow. Now that would be something. But if it was would Warren in, Throckmorton's full-time job to come after us. But see, here's the issue he would run into. Driscoll did not have superpowers. Uh-huh, now that's it. So I bet he would tap out pretty quickly. Warren faced with ours. Warren was ability it? to eat cereal and pronounce complicated would, words and to preach would, a long time. I would let into, I would let Warren go into the Hall of Dogma and meet nuclear. Nick for a few minutes, and that pretty much take care of the issue. Ashes. Especially if nuclear Nick was on medication as he is right now. Yes. You know, nuclear Nick's power is a little more impressive than ours when it comes to combat. Although you and I are good at fisticuffs, so we should be okay there. Sorry. I went on Twitter, and Wake I was up, looking Nick. up one of the previous... No, I'm awake. 
I'm looking up one of the previous um, people Wait, you mentioned. You're looking at our, our, the, 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 the guy that hates us so oh, much. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, he hates Christians in general. Just in general, yeah. Yeah, buddy. I'm, I, I yeah. hope Jesus, like, Oddly heaven, enough, has, a, a, a Hindu heaven man. has a pencil a box Hindu I'm going for looking at this picture right now. Like, I didn't, oh, my I, I never actually, you know, like, I just read his tweets <laughs> and felt like maybe I should repent from reading them. Angry. He's angry. Yeah. It's, it's, it makes me sad. Hate mail is part of this gig, Well, one of his tweets is, Jesus didn't answer my prayers when I was 13 to take my brain tumor away. Oh, no. Are you kidding? 34 years later, dot, dot, Hey, turn around. Let me look. Um, Show it to me. Is that, is that serious I want to make sure the same guy. That's not the, uh, no, that's oh, not the same that's guy. That's not the same guy we're talking okay, about. I, yes. Okay. No, I didn't. I, yeah, we, we're, that's, not, that's not the guy that uh, hate, hate tweets us so much. The but, one that, uh, that, that is said. You know, yeah, who, is, uh, who was it that um, – ah, Ted Turner. Yes. Ted Turner said that there was something that happened to him as a child with his mom, I think. And yes. I'm trying to remember. And, and one of his, you know, his prayer for his mom or a family member not being answered, and that is why he became an atheist. Well, Bart, uh, for a good part of his Bart life, a good, Ehrman, good part of his life, uh, who is a uh, very well-known theologian, best-selling author, has been on the Colbert Show several times, um, written a lot of books that undermine the authority of the Bible. Although he used to be a Christian, I, I don't remember what the personal tragedy was, but there was a significant personal tragedy that uh, I think was a very large catalyst for. Um, him moving from uh, evangelical Christianity, I believe he went to Wheaton, to uh, where he is now, which is an agnostic sliding towards atheism by his own um, account. Yeah. I mean, you hear that, those, um, you know, those stories quite often of tragedy and and life circumstances and problems um, – Creating a situation where someone, you know, the, the the enemy uses that to separate someone from God. So, um, says Jesus, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We're promised trouble, we're promised suffering, but we're also promised a Savior who went through more suffering than we could ever endure. And on the cross, He paid the price for our sins, and He overcame. And through Him, we can overcome too, even though. There will be tears that won't be wiped away from our eyes until eternity. Amen to that. Good word. Probably a good word for us to end on tonight. Um, if episode 24 did not live up to our typical great standards, then we ask for your apologies as it is now. Excuse me, not for your apologies, but for your <laughs> indulgence. Yeah, your forgiveness. Although if you want to apologize to us, you can. We'll but it, it is currently one forty-five a.m., so... We're going to uh, we're going to pull the plug. We're going to pull the plug and go to bed. Actually, I at think, our own house. I think we'll pull the plug, go home, and go to bed. There you go. Unless y'all just want to do. go to bed here at the Hall of Dogma. No, thank you. Not in this room. Bernard snores. Good night, everybody. My hip and weak.